0: Chapter 8 of The Curse of Carnes Hold. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Curse of Carnes Hold by George Alfred Henty. Chapter 8 Enlisted. It was in August 1850. Some newly arrived immigrants had just landed from their ship. And were walking through the streets of cape town watching with great amusement the novel sights the picturesque groups of swarthy malays in huge beehive shaped hats with red and yellow bandanas round their necks and their women in dresses of the most gorgeous colors settlers from inland farms rode at a reckless pace through the streets and huge wagons drawn by eight or ten bullocks, came creaking along, often at a trot. One party stopped before a placard. Active young men wanted, for the cape-mounted rifles, for full particulars as to service and pay, inquire at the adjutant at the barracks of the corpse. I thought they were recruited in England, he muttered to himself. I will go round presently and see about it but I will look at the papers first. If there is any trouble on with the natives, it would suit me well, but I certainly will not enlist merely to dawdle about in the towns. I would rather carry out my idea of buying the farm and going, in for stock raising. He went into a liquor shop, called for some of the native wine, and took up a newspaper. It contained numerous letters from settlers on the frontier, all saying that the attitude of the natives had changed greatly within the last few weeks and that all sorts of alarming rumors were current and it was feared that in spite of the solemn treaties they had made two years before the natives were again going to take up arms i think that's good enough he said to himself there are likely to be stirring times again here nothing would suit my case better than an act of life hard work and plenty of excitement having finished his wine he inquired the way to the barracks of the detachment of the Corps stationed at cape town and being directed to it entered the gates he smiled to himself at his momentary feeling of surprise at the sentry at the gate neglecting to salute him and then inquiring for the orderly room he went across the little barrack yard and entered the adjutant looked up from the table at which he was writing. "'I see a notice that you want men, sir,' the newcomer said. "'Yes, we are raising two fresh troops. What age are you? Twenty-eight. You have served before, have you not?' the adjutant said, looking at the well-knit figure standing before him. "'Yes, I have served before. Infantry or cavalry? The infantry, but I can ride.' have you your papers of discharge no have you anyone to speak of your character no one here i only landed here this morning by the Thalia, which came in from england last night that is awkward the officer said you know that as a rule we only enlist in england and only take applicants of good character i am aware of that sir but just at present you are likely to want men who can fight character is not of so much importance the adjutant smiled and again scrutinized the applicant closely the man has been an officer he said to himself well that is nothing to me he has the cut of a soldier all over do you know the conditions of service you provide your own horse and uniform government provides arms in the event of you not being able to find your horse and uniform government will as it is anxious to fill up the ranks as soon as possible provide them and stop the money from your pay i can provide horse and uniform very well then i will take you the officer said i will enlist as harry blunt i may say sir that i should feel very obliged if as I know my duty, you would post me to a troop already up the country instead of to one of those you are raising, and who will have to learn their drill and how to sit a horse before they can be sent up on active duty. I can do that, the officer said. It is only yesterday that we called for recruits, and we have only two or three applicants at present. There is a draft going on to Port Elizabeth next week and if i find that you are as you say up in your drill i will send you up with them thank you sir i am very much obliged to you the major will be here at four o'clock the adjutant said come in at that time and you can be attested and sworn in after all ronald mervyn said to himself as he strode away there's nothing like soldiering i know i should have fretted for the old work if i had settled down on a farm or even if i had gone in as i have thought of doing for shooting for a year or so before settling down if these natives really mean to make trouble we shall have an exciting time of it for the men i have talked with who fought in the last war here say that they have any amount of pluck and we are enemies not to be despised now i will be off and look for a horse i'd better not order my uniform until i'm sworn in the major may perhaps refuse me on the ground of want of character he went up to two or three young farmers who were standing talking in the street i am a stranger gentlemen and have just landed i want to buy a good horse can you tell me what is the best way to set about it? You will have no difficulty about that. One of them replied, for there's been a notice up that the government wants to buy horses, and at two o'clock this afternoon, those who have animals to dispose of fit for cavalry service are to bring them into the parade ground in the front of the infantry barracks. Government has only asked for fifty horses and there will probably be two or three times that number brought in. We have each brought in a horse or two, but they are rather expensive animals. I believe the horses are intended for mounts for staff officers. They want more bone and strength than is general in the horses here. I don't much mind what I pay, Ronald said carelessly. However, gentlemen, I may see you down there and if the government does not take your horses perhaps i may make a deal with one of you at the appointed hour ronald strolled down to the parade there were a good many officers assembled there and a large number of young Boer farmers each with one or more horses led by natives the major and the adjutant of the cape mounted rifles were examining the horses which were ridden up and down before them by their owners, the adjutant himself sometimes mounting and taking them a turn. Presently his eyes fell upon Ronald, who was closely scrutinizing the horses. "'That is the young fellow I was speaking to you about, Major, the man in the tweed suit, examining that horse's mouth.' "'Yes, I have no doubt you are right, Lawson.' he has the cut of a military man all over and beyond all question a gentleman outran the constable at home i suppose well we will take him anyhow for rough-work men of that stamp make the very best soldiers i fancy we have more than one in our ranks now no you need not bring that horse up he broke off addressing the young farmer whose horse ronald had just been examining he's got some vice about him or you would not be offering him at our prices he's as good a horse as there is in the colony the young dutchman said but i'm not offering him at your price i thought that some young officer might be inclined to buy him and i have brought him down to show there is no vice about him that i know of but that he has only been mounted twice and as he has never been off the farm before, he is a bit fidgety. "'What do you want for him?' the Major asked, examining the horse closely. "'I want a hundred and twenty pounds for him.' "'A hundred and twenty fiddlesticks,' the Major said. "'Why, man, there are not ten horses in the colony worth a hundred and twenty pounds.' "'Perhaps not,' the young Dutchman said coolly. "'But this is one of the ten several of the other officers now came up and examined the horse and they were unanimous in their approval of him he would be worth three hundred as a hunter at home one of them remarked but nobody is going to give such a price as that out here when you can get a decent runner for twenty but he is certainly the handsomest horse i have seen since i have been in the colony and i have seen some good ones too The farmer moved off with the horse as he left the ground. Ronald again walked up to him. I like your horse, he said, and if you will take a hundred pounds for him, I will give it to you. Very well, the Dutchman said. I will take it, but I wouldn't take a penny under. Have you the money here? I have not got it in my pocket, Ronald replied, but I have letters of credit on the bank. Walk round, With me there and i will give you the cash in ten minutes the money was obtained and handed to the farmer who gave ronald a receipt for it ronald took the halter from the hands of the native and at once led the horse to the stable of the hotel at which he had already left his luggage then he ordered one of the cases to be opened and took out a saddle and bridle which he had brought out with him in view of the rough colonial work. "'I did not expect to be suited so soon,' he said to himself, "'and certainly did not expect to find such a mount here. "'I like him better than either of my old hunters, "'and will back him, after a couple of months' good handling, "'to win any military steeplechase. "'That's money well laid out, "'when a man may have to ride for his life.' money in horseflesh is a good investment he went down at four o'clock and was attested and sworn in i saw you down on the parade-ground blunt the adjutant said we have bought a score of horses for the use of recruits you can have one of them at the government price if you choose i am much obliged to you sir ronald replied but i have picked up one myself he will have to pass inspection you know blunt i think he is good enough to pass sir ronald said quietly i am considered a pretty good judge of a horse there is the address of a tailor the adjutant said handing him a card he has got a supply of the right cloth and has contracted to supply uniforms at a very reasonable price you need not come into the barracks until tomorrow unless you choose. I thank you, sir. I have a few things to get, and I would rather not report myself until tomorrow afternoon, if you will give me leave. Very well, then. I will not ration you tomorrow. Report yourself to Sergeant Menzies any time before nine o'clock in the evening. Ronald gave the military salute, turned on his heel, and went out of the barracks. He went straight to the tailor whose card had been given to him. I want to be measured for a uniform for the mounted rifles, he said. How much do you charge? We supply tunic, jacket, and two pairs of breeches and a cap for nine pounds. When can you let me have them? In three days. I must have them by tomorrow afternoon by six o'clock and I will pay you two pounds extra to get them done by then. But mind, I want them good-fitting clothes. Do you understand? You will pay eleven pounds for them if I get them ready by six o'clock. Very well, then. I will try and do them. Of course you can do them if you choose, Ronald said. If you get them cut out and stitched together, I will come in at nine o'clock in the morning to try them on. Now where can I get jack boots? the last shop down the end of the street moen's is the name he always keeps a lot by him and the mounted rifles here mostly deal with him ronald was fortunate enough to obtain a pair of boots that fitted him well and he now strolled back to his hotel the next morning after trying on his uniform which was of dark green he went to the stables and saddled his new purchase the horse was fidgety and nervous from its new surroundings and refused for some time to let him mount but he patted and soothed it and then putting one hand on the saddle sprang into it at a bound he rode at a walk through the streets and when he got beyond the limits of the town touched the horse with his spurs the animal reared up lashed out behind once or twice and then went off at a gallop ronald kept along the road until he was beyond the patches of the land cultivated by the natives when once in the open country he left the road and allowed the horse to gallop across country until its speed abated by which time he was nearly ten miles from cape town and then he turned its head and at a quiet pace rode back to the town a month's schooling he said and it will be an almost perfect horse its pace is very easy and there is no doubt about its strength and wind you are a beauty old boy he went on as he patted the animal's neck we shall soon be capital friends the uniform was delivered punctually and after saying good-bye to his fellow passengers who were staying at the hotel ronald put on his uniform filled the valise he had that afternoon purchased with a useful kit took out an excellent sporting rifle that would carry government ammunition and a brace of revolvers and packing up his other clothes and ordering all the baggage to be put away in a store until required he mounted and rode into the barracks where shall i find sergeant menzies he asked one of the men at the guard room His quarters are over there, the last door in that corner. Ronald rode over to the point, indicated, and then dismounted. He entered the passage. The sergeant's name was written on a piece of paper fastened on the first door. He came out when Ronald knocked. I was ordered by the adjutant. To report myself to you, sergeant, Ronald said, saluting. He told me that a recruit was coming. But how did you get your uniform? Why, you only enlisted yesterday. I hurried them a bit, Ronald said. Where shall I put my horse? The sergeant went into his quarters and came out with a lantern. He held it up and examined the horse. Well, lad, you have a bonny beast, a downright beauty. You will have to get the regulation bridle, and then you will be complete. Let me look at you. He held up the lantern you will do lad he said if you make as good a soldier as you look you only want the sword and belt to be complete you will have them served you out in the morning now come along i will show you the stable he made his way to the stable where there was a vacant stall and stood by while ronald removed the saddle and bridle and put on the headstall You can take an armful of hay from that rack yonder. I can't get him a ration of grain tonight. It's too late. He's just had a good feed, Ronald said, and will not want any more. But I may as well give him the hay to amuse himself with. It will accustom him to his new quarters. What will I do with my rifle and pistols? Bring them with you, lad, but there will be no occasion for you to have brought them government finds arms i happen to have them with me ronald said as the rifle carries government ammunition i thought they would let me use it if it's about the right length i have no doubt they will be glad to do so for we have no very great store of arms and we are not quite so particular about having everything exactly uniform as they are in a crack corpse at home as for pistols there is no doubt about them as being in holsters they don't show several of the men have got them and most of the officers now i will take you up to your quarters the room to which he led ronald contained about a dozen men some had already gone to bed others were rubbing up bits and accoutrements one or two were reading here's a new comrade lads the sergeant said "'Blunt's his name. "'He's a new arrival from home, and you won't find him a greenhorn, "'for he served already. "'Ronald had the knack of making himself at home, "'and he was, before he turned in an hour later, "'on terms of good fellowship with his comrades. "'In the morning, after grooming his horse, he went into the barrack-yard, "'when the troop formed up for dismounted drill. "'Will you take your place at once in the ranks?' sergeant menzies asked do you feel equal to it yes i have not grown rusty ronald replied as he fell in an hour's work sufficed to show sergeant menzies who was drilling the troop that the new recruit needed no instructions on that score and he was as perfect in his drill as anyone in the troop are you as well up in your cavalry drill as in the infantry he asked Ronald, as the troop fell out. No, Ronald said, but when one knows one, he soon gets well at home when the other. At any rate, for simple work, the system is exactly the same, and I think with two or three drills, I shall be able to keep my place. After breakfast, the troop formed up again in their saddles, and the officers took their place in the ranks. As the sergeant handed to the adjutant some returns he had been compiling the latter asked by the way sergeant did the recruit blunt join last night yes sir and he is in his place now in the rear rank he was in his uniform when he came and i found this morning that he is thoroughly well up in his drill a smart soldier all over i should say i don't know that he will do so well mounted but I don't think you will see him make many blunders. He is evidently a sharp fellow. He ought not to have taken his place until I passed his horse, sergeant. Still, I can do that after parade drill is over. The adjutant then proceeded to put the troop through a number of easy movements, such as forming from line to column, and back into line, and wheeling. There was no room for anything else in the barrack yard, which was a small one, as the barracks would only hold a single troop. Before the movements were completed, the Major came out. When the troop was dismissed, Sergeant Menzies brought Ronald up to the two officers. He had in the morning furnished him with the regulation bridle, belt, and sword ronald drew up his horse at a short distance from the two officers and saluted there is no doubt about his horse the major said that is if he is sound what a good-looking beast that it is major by jove i believe it's the very animal that young boor asked us one hundred and twenty pounds for yesterday pon my word i believe it's the same i believe it is the major agreed what a soldierly looking fellow he is i thought he was the right stamp yesterday but i hardly expected to see him turn out so well at first the two officers walked up to ronald examined his horse saddle and uniform that's not a regulation rifle you have there the major said no sir it is the one i brought from england with me i have been accustomed to its use And as it is the regulation bore, I thought perhaps I might carry it. It's a trifle long, isn't it? the adjutant asked. Yes, sir, it's just two inches too long. But I can have that cut off by a gunsmith. Very well. If you do that, you can carry it, the major said. Of course, it's much better finished than the regulation one, but not much different in appearance very well we passed the horse ronald saluted and rode off to the stables he hasn't come out penniless anyhow the major laughed no that's quite evident the adjutant agreed i dare say his friends gave him a hundred or two to start on a farm when he decided to join us and he thought he might as well spend it and have a final piece of extravagance i dare say that's it the major agreed anyhow i think we have got hold of a good recruit this time i wish they were all like him the adjutant sighed thinking of the trouble he often had with newly joined recruits by the way the major said i have got word this morning that the Daff is to be embarked tomorrow instead of next week they took up a ship for them yesterday it seems our men there are working off their legs for the kaffirs are stealing cattle and horses in all directions and the colonists have sent in such a strong letter of complaint to the governor that even he thinks the police force on the frontier ought to be strengthened not of course that he admits in the slightest that there is any ground for alarm or believes for a moment that the kaffirs have any evil intentions whatever still to reassure the minds of the settlers he thinks the troop may as well go forward at once i wish to goodness the adjutant said bitterly that sir harry smith would take a cottage for two or three months close to the frontier it would not be long before his eyes were opened a little to the character and intentions of the kaffirs it would be a good thing the major agreed but i doubt if even that would do it till he heard the kaffirs breaking in his doors then the enlightenment would come too late to be of any service to the colony by the by, the colonel told me yesterday he should send me forward next week to see after things he says that of course if there is any serious trouble he shall go forward himself the following morning the draft of the cape mounted rifles embarked on board a steamer and were taken down to the Agula bay and landed at port elizabeth drenched to the skin by the passage through the tremendous surf that beats upon the coast and were marched up to some tents which had been erected for them on the bare sand hill behind the town ronald mervyn was amused at the variety of the crowd in the straggling streets of port elizabeth boer farmers hottentots malays and fingos with complexions varying through every shade of yellow and brown up to black some gaily dressed in light cottons some wrapped in a simple cowhide or a dirty blanket many with but little clothing beyond their brass and copper ornaments the country road was most monotonous as far as the eye could see it was nothing but a succession of bare sandy flats and beyond these hills sprinkled with brush and occasional clumps of aloes and elephant trees upon the following morning the troop marched followed by a wagon containing their baggage and provisions drawn by ten oxen a little naked boy marched at the head of the oxen as their guide and they were driven by a hottentot army with a tremendous whip of immense length made of plaited hide fastened to the top of a bamboo pole after a fourteen miles march the troop reached the zurart kop river and crossed the ford and camped among the scattered mimosas and numerous wait-a-bit thorns. The horses were then knee haltered and they and the oxen were turned out to feed till night. The next day's march was a very long one and for the most part across a sandy desert to the Sunday River, a sluggish stream in which as soon as the tents were pitched the whole party enjoyed a bath tomorrow we shall reach the adieu brush blunt one of his comrades who knew the country well remarked that is near a boundary of what you may call the kaffir country although i don't think they have their corrals as far south as this though there was fighting here in the last war and may be again but i thought our territory extended as far as the kai river so it does normally the other said all the country as far as that was declared to be forfeited but in point of the fact the kaffirs remained in possession of their lands on condition that they declare their allegiance to the crown and that each chief was made responsible for any cattle or other robberies the spore of which could be traced to his kraal. of course they agreed to this as in fact They would agree to anything, resolving naturally, to break the conditions as soon as it suited them. Local magistrates and commissioners were scattered among them, and there have been a lot of schools and missionary stations started. They say that they are having great success. Well, we shall see about that. In the last war, the so-called Christian natives were among the first to turn against us, and I expect it will be the same here for it's just the laziest and worst of the natives who pretend to become christians they get patches of land given them and help in building their huts and all sorts of privileges by about half a day's work each week they can raise enough food to live upon and all that is really required of them is to attend services on the sunday the business exactly suits them but as a rule there are a great many more hottentots than kaffirs among the converts i can give you a specimen of the sort of men they are not long since a gentleman was coming down with a wagon and a lot of bullocks from king williamstown the drivers all took it into their heads to desert one day it is a way these fellows have one of them thinks he will go and then the whole lot go A settler wakes up in the morning and finds there isn't a single hand left on his place, and he has perhaps four or five hundred cows to be milked, and twice as many oxen and horses to look after. Well, this happens within a mile or so of the missionary station, so the gentleman rode over there and asked if some of the men would go with him down to Beaufort, a couple of days' march nobody would go he raised his offers and at last offered five times the usual rate of pay but not one of the lazy brutes would move and he had at last to drive the whole lot down himself with the aid of a native or two he picked up on the way however there has been pretty good order along the frontier for the last two years partly due to the chiefs having to pay for all the cattle traced to their corrals partly to the fact that we have got four hundred kaffir police and an uncommon smart lot of fellows they are scattered all along the frontier instead of being like us kept principally in towns you see we are considered more as a military body of course we have a much easier time of it than if we were knocking about in small parties among the border settlements but there is a lot more excitement in that sort of life and I hope that if there is trouble they will send us out to protect the settlements I hope so Ronald said cordially barrack life at a dull little town is the slowest thing in the world I would never have enlisted for that sort of thing well if what the settlers say turns out right you'll have plenty of excitement I can tell you I was in the last war and I don't know that I want to go through another, for these beggars fight a great deal too well for it to be pleasant, I can tell you. The job of carrying dispatches or escorting wagons through a bush where these fellows are known to be lurking is about as nasty a one as a man can wish. At any moment, without the least notice, you may have half a dozen assegais stuck in your body, and they can shoot straight, too. Their guns are long and clumsy, but they carry long distances quite as far as our rifles, while as for the line muskets, they haven't a chance with them. Two more days marching, and the troop arrived at Grahamstown. Here they encamped near Fort England, where a wing of the ninety-first regiment was quartered, and the next fortnight was spent in constant drills. The rifles were then ordered forward to King Williamston, where two days later they were joined by the infantry. Before starting, the adjutant had specially called the attention of Captain Twentyman, who commanded the troop, to his last joined recruit. You will find that man, Blunt, who joined us yesterday, a good soldier, Twentyman it may be that he has been an officer and has got into some row at home and been obliged to leave the service of course you noticed his horse on parade this morning we have nothing like it in the corpse the farmer who owned it offered it to us yesterday afternoon and wanted a hundred and twenty pounds for it he said that both his sire and dam were english hunters The sire he had bought from an English officer and the grandsire was a thoroughbred horse. The man has a large farm, about twenty-five miles from Cape Town, and goes in for horse breeding, but I have seen nothing before of his as good as that. I expect the young fellow has spent his last penny in buying it. Of course, I don't know what he will turn out in the way of conduct, but you will find if he is all right in that respect he will make a first-rate non-commissioned officer and mounted as he is will at any rate be a most useful man for carrying dispatches and that sort of thing i confess i am very much taken by him he has a steady resolute sort of face looks pleasant and good-tempered too keep your eye on him captain twentyman had done so during the voyage and on the line march and ronald's quickness alacrity and acquaintance with his duty convinced him that the adjutant's supposition was a correct one by jove twenty men an officer of the twenty-first said that he was standing beside him when ronald rode up and delivered a message that fellow of yours is wonderfully well mounted he is a fine soldierly looking fellow too and i don't know why but his face seems quite familiar to me i fancy he has been an officer captain twentyman replied we have several in the corps many who have been obliged for some reason or other to sell out and who finding nothing else to do have enlisted with us you see the pay is a good deal higher than it is in the regular cavalry and the men as a whole are a superior class for you see They find their own horses and uniforms, and so is life altogether more pleasant than the regular service for a man of that kind. Almost all the men are of respectable family. I certainly seem to know his face, said the officer thoughtfully, although where I saw it I have not the least idea. What is his name? He enlisted as Henry Blunt, but no doubt that is not his real name very few men of his kind who enlist in the army do so under their own names i don't know anyone of that name the officer said but i certainly have seen your man before however i don't suppose that in any case he would likely be recognized men who are under a cloud don't care about meeting former acquaintances a week later to ronald's great satisfaction a party of twenty men whom he was one under troop lieutenant daniels were ordered to march the next morning to the cambosi river whence the settlers had written praying that a force might be sent for their protection as the kaffirs in the neighborhood were becoming more and more insolent in their manner many of their cattle had been driven off and they were in daily expectation of an attack no wagons accompanied the party as they would erect huts if they remained in one place and would have no difficulty in obtaining provisions from the farmers the men chosen for their service were in all high glee at the prospect of change from the dullness of the life at king williamstown and were the objects of envy to their comrades the start was made at daybreak and after two days long marching They reached their destination. The country was a fertile one. The farmhouses were frequent, most of them embedded in orchards and vineyards, showing signs of comfort and prosperity. This is the first place I have seen since I reached the colony, Ronald said, to the trooper riding next to him, where I should care about settling. There are a good many similar spots in this part of the country, the man said and I believe the folks here are everywhere doing well and would do better if it were not for these native troubles. They suffered a lot in the last war and will, of course, bear the blunt of it, if the natives break out again. There are a good many English and Scot settlers in this part. There are, of course, some Dutch, but as a rule they go in for more cattle farming on a big scale. Besides, they do not care about English neighbors. They are an unsociable set of brutes, the Dutch, and keep themselves to themselves as much as possible. End of chapter 8